Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Grant Goldberg, and I'm joined today by Spike Friedman. And we got a bit of fun news. Spike, what are we hearing from the Seahawks today? Uh, we are hearing that the Seahawks have one more member to their team. What? We w- oh, and it was as we said would be a good thing. Dwight Freeney, rotational defensive end. What? Elderly what? man, king of the spin move, new Seahawk. It's exciting. Also exciting, Grant, uh, today we're going to – I'm gonna just going to tease this now. Uh, the bulk of our episode is going to be a crossover with Locked On Texans because we have a great game this weekend against the Texans. Do you think Dwight Freeney makes an impact week one? Grant, what is your take? All right. He comes in the game solely on third downs, rushes the passer. Deshaun Watson, not that easy to bring down. For the normal defensive end, <laughs> oh. but Dwight Freeney, he's going to be spinning around that field, and you know what? He'll have two sacks on Sunday. I think he'll Ow. he'll he'll come in, make an immediate impact, and bring down number four in the Houston backfield. Grant, I love your optimism. Two sacks, twice as many as the entire team got on Eli Manning. We're going to get that just from Dwight Freeney, just on. Deshaun Watson. Basically, the anti Eli Manning in terms of <laughs> mobility and legs. Yeah. I mean, this does end because of the cap space involved. Our hopes of getting a Brandon Albert or a Dwayne Brown, as we talk about in our little interview, another tease. But I think it's, again, as we talked about uh, on Tuesday's episode, I think it's worth it. You know, we got to start hitting the quarterback more. Dwight Freeney still has that spin move, still was making an impact last year. We have the need. We had the hole on the roster. You know, we didn't have to even send Brandon Jackson back to the practice squad uh, because of the Cliff Averill injury. And he provides this great veteran leadership. Apparently, he went when he went to Arizona, he just taught everybody a spin move. What if he teaches Frank Clark a spin move? Grant, oh are we gosh. unstoppable now? I, I, I have to fan myself right now. I am just overheating thinking about Frank Clark with that spin move. I'm so I've tried to play devil devil's advocate on Tuesday on that show, and I tried to to tone it down. You know, be calm, be collected, but throw all that out of the window. We have <laughs> Dwight Freeney. He, no. he's he's in the defensive end or defensive line room. He's teaching these guys up. He's basically like a coach on that defensive line. And he'll teach the spin. I read that he cooked his teammates dinner. Yeah. And uh, uh, shout out to Seattle Times for that. I, I read that. Bob Condota, is, he's great. But Dwight Freeney, great too. He has yeah. that spin move. And Frank Clark, as strong and as athletic as he is, add that spin move. And I'm not saying it's going to happen right away. If it does, it'd be great. But if it, it, does, if it doesn't happen right away and he has to work at it, but it pays off, Seattle has a problem on their hands when they come and and face these left tackles like Dwayne Brown that if you have a guy that can rival uh, an elite offensive lineman it gives you a chance in a lot of games a lot of games you know you you go up against an Andrew Whitworth and you see just the raw talent that Frank Clark has even to get that one sack it could have been a game-changing sack I mean he had that it was a strip sack and you just see the pure talent that Frank Clark has. And he's a great player on the field. Off the field, eh. But, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, we got to give him skills. Yeah, he, I mean, has, he has the skills to pay the bills. Well, and I think it's a real thing of, like, defensive end is a more skill-based position than it's given credit for because super athletic guys can do it. But all those little dips and hand-fighting moves and spins and everything like that matters. Yeah, it's and that, it's a pro's it's position. savvy that, that Dwight Freeney is going to bring into that room. And it's going to so, infuse the whole line, I think. Yeah, and I, we've I, – so, you know what? I, I was going to say we should also talk Jeremy Lane. 
he tweeted some stuff. He deleted some stuff. I don't think we need. We've talked a lot of Jeremy Lane this week. Yeah. Hopefully, more news will come out before Thursday's episode, and we can figure out if he's benched, if he's traded, what exactly is going on. We don't know. So, yeah. Grant, what do you say we just kick into it? Our talk with Locked On Texans. I think the people are really going to enjoy this. It's a good back and forth. We talk about the Spider-Man meme. Hey, let's just get into yeah, it. I, you with I, me, Grant? I, I even drop a little thing about Jeremy Lane in there. So you'll have to wait and see. Oh, and, lis- and listen to our talk with Locked On Texans. So, you know, go ahead, keep listening, and enjoy. All right, welcome to a Locked On crossover. I'm Robert Land, host of Locked On Texans, along with Brian Patterson and we're here with the host of Locked On Seahawks. Some of you guys already know because you're listening to Locked On Seahawks, but Spike Friedman and Garrett Goldberg, I would say this is uh, sleeping with the enemy, but it's more like screaming with the enemy because we know it's <laughs> going to be loud in Seattle, guys. It's always loud there, right? Yep. It is. <laughs> I am I am very prepared for it to be loud. And uh, after a couple weeks on the road where – We've managed to have some 12s get loud enough that they were audible on the broadcast. It'll be fun to be back home where it will be just regular loud. I, I went to the game in San Diego. Oh, well, not San Diego, Los Angeles. What am I thinking? In the preseason, and it was halfway filled with Seahawks fans. So, you know, I was kind of in my element already. And I, I, I'm prepared for the loudness when we get back home. I'm excited. How many cafe lattes do you think that the Texans needed to get Dwayne Brown traded over to the Seahawks. What what happened there? What are you guys hearing from your end? I've been just watching our offensive line all year. And so I'll say that whatever we could have done to make that happen should have happened in spite of, you know, if we had to put him on the credit card, if we had to do, usually I'm averse to the idea of taking any cap hits and putting them off to the future. For obvious reasons, you end up like the Saints, you end up in cap hell. But given the way the NFC is breaking, given the quality across the across the rest of the roster, it seemed like a great opportunity. Uh, that said, uh, it's not looking like that's going to happen right now, is it? It, it? Right? You guys, he's he's all locked and loaded for you guys this week, right? Am I wrong? Is it's there something that, looking like it? Yeah, is he going to yeah, be starting? Like is he going to be starting for you guys? This week, right back in, he's better than what we have right now. I mean, <laughs> we don't even know if Chris Clark, uh, which is was his replacement, if he's going to be ready to go. So, you know, we may have to start him out of necessity. We know he's in gym shape, but is he in playing shape? Can he can he take the snaps like a starter would? Um, although Bill said he was good to go, he's in great shape. You know, those are only sound bites. So, I wouldn't be surprised if if we saw him Sunday. Not only that, but if Chris Clark can't go, I mean, who else are you going to put there? You got to you gotta go with him. I mean, if you guys want, you can just leave him in Seattle and he can get in shape <laughs> there for us. But I, I guess you guys would be Give me your second round or your, not your, your third round pick. I'll take your third round pick and then some other part of the package. I like your picks that you got this year. What, 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 about, a, <laughs> what about a, a $10 million Jimmy Graham? How, how do you guys feel about that? Hey, yeah, he's an upgrade. He's not playing all that well now, but hey, he's an upgrade over uh, Ryan Griffin and uh, uh, you know uh, Stephen Anderson. I mean, they're great guys, but no Jimmy Graham. Ah, I want to see some Duncan over the uprights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't get to see that. <laughs> well, no, also, also for you guys uh, with Brown coming back, we've got a new defensive end. As of about an hour ago, which is pretty thrilling out here, we got Dwight Freeney suiting up, uh, and and I'm ready for some spin moves. I'm ready to see if Dwayne Brown is in shape by throwing an elderly man who can spin better than <laughs> anyone in the history of the world yeah, right at yeah. you guys. You guys are probably familiar with him as he's played with the Colts <laughs> for almost his whole career. But I know he's not the player that that played on those Peyton Manning teams. But you know. He's still got something left in the tank. So what should we be expecting of Dwight Freeney at his age, having watched him for all those years in the AFC South? He's probably wondering where Derek Carr's older brother is because I'm sure he <laughs> remembers him. I, I don't know what you could get out of Dwight Freeney uh, at this point, but I, I guess if uh, if you've got no better option, then maybe you should give him a shot because – you know, the guy does know what he's doing, and if he's got, you know, just that one or two good rushes, and that's all it takes to, to make a game-changing play. 
Well, and I think that gets us to our, our biggest question, which is Russell Wilson is obviously a legendary escape artist as, as quarterback, and you guys have something similar going right now in Deshaun Watson. Uh, in in internet horror, like Twitter terms, it's sort of the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man matchup of quarterbacks. How likely are we to be able to get to Deshaun Watson impact him with the pass rush or is he just the sort of player who is not going to be phased even if Sheldon Richardson has a great game even if Frank Clark is bending is bending off the edge like is is Deshaun Watson the sort of guy who we can who we can rattle if we're hitting him no no he's not <laughs> and, and uh, we call him down here well at least I've been calling him since the preseason well I'll, I'll take up the moniker I, I've said this is this is a baby Russell Wilson. This is what you see up in Seattle. This guy uh, gets out of the pocket. He's hard to get down. He's unfazed by much of anything. He's just, you know, this is a, a, a special guy from what we've seen so far. Uh, he's not perfect as a passer, but he's going to get there. Maybe, maybe Russell was a little bit more polished his first season. I, I can't remember how polished exactly Russell was, but it seemed like maybe he was a little bit ahead of his on the passing game. But Deshaun Watson can do all of those th- same things, can he, Brian? That's right. Yeah, and uh, you're going to be able to get through the offensive line. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I'm confident that you guys will be able to bust through. But by the time you get to Deshaun Watson, he's already thinking ahead of what you guys are doing. He's either throwing the football or he's on the run, getting ready to make a play. So if if Dwayne Brown is actually going to be active, I mean, it's going to be tough for you to get on that left side. It's going to be really tough. But that right side, you guys are going to have a field day over there because you got O'Day Abushi, you got Jeff Allen. I mean, not O'Day Abushi, but uh, yeah, really we, we with us now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, he was we, on that card last year. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we made the great trade. Now you guys have Breno and we have O'Day and neither yeah. of them particularly yeah. great in pass protection. Yeah. Xavier Sufilo might be the guy. He mentioned that guy, and that might be the guy you need to go after because uh, he, he's a lot more uh, vulnerable, I think, than e- even a Dwayne Brown that hadn't played in about, you know, four or five years. I mean, that's, I think that's where you, that's where you can go after him on a pass rush. But Bill, Bill O'Brien's done such an incredible job of designing this offense that, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't get a lot of pressure because it's a, it's a very much a play action misdirection game. You see a lot of the read option stuff that you've seen in college. And for the people in Seattle, if you don't know it, that, I mean, they're basically incorporating a lot of the stuff that he did in Clemson and, and, and he's told them, you know, what to do. Here's, you know, O'Brien said, I, I get tips from Deshaun Watson on what to do uh, from an offensive game plan standpoint. That's pretty cool. And, and I'm looking back cause I was, I, I was like, I, I, I'm not as familiar with your schedule, and I was like, have you guys played a great defense? And you guys played the Chiefs, who have a good defense. But I wouldn't say great. But you guys played the Jaguars week one. And obviously, Savage played the first half. Didn't do anything. And Watson was solid but not spectacular in the second half of that game, coming in unprepared. And the Jaguars are a very similar defense to the Seahawks' defense. Is there anything that you saw in that first half? And I know it's a long time ago. And is there anything to give us hope that we can slow him down basically or or did you in that emerging moment in that first emerging moment of Deshaun Watson are you feeling even more confident going up against the Seahawks defense that I think is really good right now Brian it's a completely different offense isn't it that they they threw out there in that Jacksonville game because of what they've done with Deshaun Watson in the last few weeks exactly and just a moment when he stepped in in the second half you knew things had changed we were moving the football and we even got the score we knew that this was definitely something that was you know down the pipe as far as what we were going to see how robust this offense and with each week we seem to get better and better with things clicking I mean as far as stats things sometimes regress but that's fine you know he's throwing touchdowns he's getting guys open he's trying to make plays with his legs himself so you know that's that's what it's all about I really do think that you guys are going to have a shot at getting to him and you're probably going to be able to get to sack him, but it's just going to be really difficult because, you know, if, if you saw, um, especially against the chiefs where, you know, he shook one of the, uh, yeah. uh, the defensive, <laughs> uh, the defensive tackles. And then he threw that long pass out to Will Fuller for the 48 yard catch. Um, yeah. He's, he's just shaking and baking. I mean, 
I know he played basketball, you know, as well as football, because he he certainly has the footwork for it. Yeah, that that was the play that I was going to bring up, namely, like that was just yeah. one of the most incredible. It re- reminded me of Russell Wilson and some of the he the magic that he produces. You know, I've, I'm looking at the schedule, and you know, you guys started slow with the Jaguars game. Obviously, Savage played uh, Savage played in the first half, and then the Bengals game was it was his first game. It was Thursday night. It was his first full game. But then in the past four games, you guys have put up over 30 points each game. So your offense is a lot different. And I was wondering if there's anything to do to slow down the Texans offense, what do we have to take hold of and and really hammer down on? I don't know if there's anything specifically that you can go after. Uh, You you, you really have to slow down the run, but the, the run is weird because Deshaun Watson's a big part of the running game and you're not going to be able to just focus in on Lamar Miller or Deontay Foreman and Deontay Foreman, you know, has some really special moments. He's going to be a good player. Good, good rookie for the Texans. Great pick. But I don't know if there's anything specific, Brian, that I I would say this is how you stop Deshaun Watson. You've got elite cornerbacks all over the place. If you can shut down our passing game, that could have an effect on our offense. Um, you've got Justin Coleman, Richard Sherman, you know, first and foremost, and Shaquille Griffin. I mean, all those guys are playing really well uh, right now uh, at the moment. And, um, you know, it's it's just all a matter of if you can shut down the running game by our two deepest threats, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, then you may have it made. Uh, But, you know, it, it all depends on how open he can get those guys and how well you guys can cover you know, those, those deep routes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> won't be yeah. go routes, but Hey, you know, we're going to try our best to see if we can get the deep ball going, if it's all possible. Yeah. If there's, if there's been an Achilles heel for the, for the Seahawks, it's been explosive plays, namely in the run game earlier on in the season. But yeah. o- oftentimes you see uh wide receivers kind of get behind a Seahawks defense. Sometimes I know we have Earl Thomas back there, but he's, I mean, as great as Earl is, he's only one man. And you yeah. see, you see wide receivers get behind our defenses, and it happened. It happened in the New York game where, you know, luckily Richard Sherman uses ungodly wingspan to bat down a ball. But these receivers do get behind the defense. So if it's anything, it's speed. So that's one thing I'm worried about with DeAndre Hopkins and and Wolf Fuller, especially given how fast he is. If they can get behind our defense. Oh, I was just gonna say that that Sherman Hopkins matchup. Both of them, I think their reputations took an unfair hit last year for different reasons. Sherman was playing a little banged up, and, you know, Julio Jones made a couple plays on him, but there's no shame in that. Meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins didn't have much of a quarterback thrown to him last year. No offense to Brock Osweiler, but not much of a quarterback. So I think both of those guys came into the season a little underrated, and they've both been dominant this year. So I think that matchup, especially if Sherman does follow him around the field, that could be really one of the best receiver cornerback matchups of the whole season league-wide. So you're saying that Richard Sherman should be guarding DeAndre Hopkins, not Will Fuller. That This is uh, what you're proposing. I think so. And I think that because Coleman is so fast and Griffin has been so solid that for me, I just want Sherman's physicality and his veteran savvy on a guy like DeAndre Hopkins who can take over a game. Also, if Sherman is vulnerable to anything, it's sort of in-breaking routes from potentially off of motion and things like And I don't think of Hopkins as that receiver, and I could be wrong, but like I don't think of him as the guy who could beat him in that way. Fuller, though, could maybe beat one of our cornerbacks that way, but if you're shading an Earl Thomas over the top, you know, you keep the top on those plays. You keep that play at a 20 yards rather than a 40 yards. And we can absorb a couple of those hits over the course of the game and keep moving. Sherman's been really good this year. And I think if he can neutralize Hopkins, we need him to. What about Russell Wilson? What what are we seeing from, what should we see from Russell Wilson? I mean, is this the same guy that went to two Super Bowls? Has he gotten better, gotten worse? What kind of year is he having? Well, he's coming off his best game of the year, I think, against the Giants. He really just had his way with the defense. And if not for a couple Jimmy Graham drops and a, a couple deep, uh, deep misses, then it's by far one of his best games of his career. And we're coming off the Rams game. That's always ugly, but you know, in the second half against the Colts, he looked good. And, you know, even though we lost, he put up solid numbers against the, against the Titans. So I don't, I don't know if he's really taken a huge leap this year, 
but he's definitely the same player he's always been. He's definitely, you know, a threat with his legs, and he can, you know, pinpoint a deep ball and, and put it right in the receiver's hands. So he's by far the best player on our offense. And, you know, I, I think if he's in form on Sunday, then it's going to be a tough matchup for the Texans defense without Merciless and without Watt. Yeah, I'll say coming into the year, this matchup was very scary for us because especially after week one where a mediocre Packers defensive line looked incredible against a really poor Seahawks offensive line, uh, I was I was nervous looking ahead to this game. You guys have had like two really, really unfortunate injuries um, that will allow Russell Wilson to play his game a little bit, I imagine. And, I, and that's actually a question for you guys. Uh, between losing Wilson, I, I'm not, sorry, not Wilson, Watt, Merciless, and then also uh, your cornerback situation is different than it was last year with A.J. Bouye. Like, how is your pass defense right now? Like, are you the sort of defense that can still really disrupt a passing game? Or is Wilson going to more or less be able to execute the offense? And if his receivers don't let him down with untimely drops, get big chunks of yardage the the passing defense it, it hasn't been really good and it it, it kind of worries you and it and it, it yeah, wasn't good yeah. before the injuries actually I mean we, we can't sugarcoat it but you know the, the attention that Watt would get uh, w- would help yeah. out Clowney and, and and that's a big deal and then Whitney Merciless really hadn't had the year that he had the last couple of years before he got injured but you figured at some point he was going to start doing some things and 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 a and you know affecting ball games but Kevin Johnson is going to be back this week so that's going to help a little bit he was a first round draft choice from the Texans a couple of years ago at cornerback and he just can't stay on the field but he's he's a solid cornerback when he stays on the field they've been putting out uh, just guys that they've picked off the waiver wire a lot of times at cornerback they just haven't been effective and so getting Kevin Johnson back should help a little bit our linebacking core can cover a lot better than it has in the past because of Zach Cunningham their second round pick this year and Brian Cushing being out with the drug suspension. So uh, those things have helped a little bit in pass coverage, at least the medium pass coverage and, you know, people like Jimmy Graham and, and, and the running backs, but uh, the, the wide receivers, uh, they, they are a concern and, and not because of J Joe, because he's been uh, his usual pretty solid self. It, it's just uh, some of those other guys that they've had out there. Does, does that pretty much sum it up, Brian? Yeah, it pretty much does. Although um, it's just that the guys that we, you know, are relying on that that would be great on the pass rush, you know, Watt, Merciless, and and, and to a certain extent, you know, emerging guy, Dylan Cole, who is now hurt, um, you know, that that affects that. And, and you know, Will, Russell Wilson is going to probably be able to get uh, some really good yardage out of us, but it's a matter of when it's third when it's third down, what's going to happen because that's when our defense rises up to the best when it's third down. Not this year. Yeah. <laughs> but but there, we've had moments. We've had moments, in my opinion, we have had moments whenever we needed them the most, you know, to help us win games, you know, they, they've been right there. Now we are 10th and pass defense. So I don't know if we, we could really use that as a barometer in terms of how they've been playing because, it's obvious they took a step back with the guys that we we missed, and their tackling could be a lot better. So you know that's that's on Mike Rabel because you you got to coach that, and sometimes that's that's just natural. You just have to be able to do it. So, but all in all, yes, Rob, yeah, you summed it up pretty well. But that's kind of my spin on it. I mean, obviously JJ Watt is JJ Watt, and he's got, yeah. he would have made it you know a terror on the on the Seahawks offensive line. But really, the matchup I was looking forward to watch was merciless buying Wilson because in 2013 in the in the game where we came to Houston and we had the game winning field goal Wendy merciless made that game hell for Russell Wilson he was spying him and he was yeah. really limiting the the read option for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson so I was kind of excited to see how they combat that and you know we haven't gone to the option as much where Russell Wilson pulls it down and, and tries to spring for a run on his own but it was something that I was looking forward to watch so I'm kind of bummed on that and I'm I'm listening to you guys, and you guys are talking about missed tackles, and that that brings up you know the matchup of you know Doug Baldwin versus whoever's on him for the game because Doug Baldwin, if he's known for anything on the Seahawks, is his sure hands and his ability to shake tackles and pick up that first down. So I'm wondering, that's probably an area where Doug can succeed in this game, right, Spike? Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
I was looking at Baldwin's numbers. He has zero drops this year, as opposed to everybody else on our team who has not Mm. been nearly as sure-handed. And then you pair that with Richardson's ability to have a big player to a game. I don't want to call him a poor man's Will Fuller in terms of game-breaking ability because they're different in a lot of ways. But in terms of how they're fitting in the offense right now, that's sort of what's happening. Tyler Lockett hasn't really gotten on track this year. He's coming back from a pretty big injury. Uh, It was actually really impressive that he made it for week one of this season. And so I'm interested to see if he can break out in this game. He's just been a couple inches away for a few big plays. Uh, And he's, he's that big play guy that we need in our offense right now, especially if your coverage linebackers are good and are going to take away Jimmy Graham and then also Luke Wilson and J.D. McKissick, and if he can play C.J. Proceis, who are all the sort of guys who can hit you for a couple big plays a game. Uh, so I'm, I'll be really interested to see if Lockett can get back on track in this one. Uh, and also I'll be interested to see what our running game does. Uh, it hasn't done much. And I don't know. I like every matchup is a bad matchup given our inability to run block right now. And so I'm not counting on us getting on track, but you guys don't have Aaron Donald or Mike Daniels. So like, maybe, maybe it will. I don't know. I'm just making this sound. How, how's your run D right now? Is it good? Uh, it's been decent most of the year. I mean, the, the, the tackling has been, it seems like more of a problem on passing than, than the, than the running, uh, you know, the, I don't feel like, uh, the guys that we have are, are really good on the defensive line and linebacking core that have replaced Watt merciless. They're not good at pass rushing, but they are pretty good at, at, uh, defending the run. So I, I feel like it's okay. I don't know how the numbers would look on that. Brian might know that one, but to me, it seems like that we should be, we should be okay with that. I, I never feel too bad as far as the running game. I mean, it, it could wear on you if, if it's if it's going on the entire game and then they get tired in the fourth quarter. That that can always happen. But uh, overall, I'm not concerned about that. Very good, Rob, because we're 13th. Uh, we're right in the middle of the pack in run yeah. defense. And so we're getting up about 107 yards, 107.2 yards a game. So um, we're, we're right there. It, it just it didn't jump out to me and, and say that, hey, we've got a problem with uh, defending the run. I mean, we're doing – you know, everything or we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do out there. Of course it could be better, but um, you know, we're still winning games. I'll, here I'll just say I, that I, I, if, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're probably going to be fine. Grant, what are your thoughts? On yeah. That? I was just going to say league average or like decent would be just more than sufficient against the Seahawks run game this year. I think it's a run game that even Pete Carroll describes eternal optimist. Pete Carroll describes as, and eh, we're still trying to go. We're still going and like trying to get back on track because it's a run game that hasn't been there. We had one outlier game against the Indianapolis Colts where we had 194 yards rushing. But aside mm-hmm. from that, the running game has not gone like well at all. The and as Seahawks, you guys, oh, I was oh. just going to say, as you guys know, the Colts aren't exactly a formidable foe this year in any phase no. of the game. Right, exactly. And no, we, had, we had less than four yards per carry against the Giants. So it's it's a sputtering running attack right now, and it's not going to get better until Russell Wilson starts to pull the pull the ball down a little more on the options and keep the defense honest and and you know take things in his own hands. You know, rush for you know over 50 yards in a game and 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 be the spark plug that he needs to be in order to get this run game going. Why do you think he's not uh, taking chances with the run? Is he afraid he's going to get hurt? I don't I don't know if it's it's the yips or him him trying to you know, establish things through the air a little more. But he, last year, he dealt with injuries basically the whole year. It started early yeah. in the year, and he wasn't able to really have that speed that he's had in, in the early parts of his career. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just what he's used to now or what the Seahawks are asking of him. But, you know, we've seen it work. We've seen, you know, that be what propels the running game to another level. So... You know, until until he he gets back going in that department, I don't think the running game is going to take off at really any point. Well, I will say he's he's deployed it in the fourth quarter in games that were close or we were trailing. When so he needs to, yeah. It's still in the quiver, but it's not a fundamental part of the offense uh, in the way that it was. Mm-hmm. And and as you guys will see with Deshaun Watson, when he get in like two years 
when he's an incredible passer as well as everything else, you will also want him to maybe not run all the time just because, like, don't take hits. And also, Wilson was amazing his rookie year at avoiding hits despite all those runs. I mean, there was a play against you guys that's one of the best plays of his career. It was a fourth down run where he managed to get to the sticks late in that game. And he managed to do it through two defenders without absorbing a big, big blow. And it's still like, wow, how did he do that? And the last couple of years, he started taking some hits. And it's just, you can't, we can't live that Austin Davis life. We can't no. do it. And I then and he, then when he stinks it up, you got Trevon Boykin. And because yeah. we know, we know, like, like I said, Colin Kaepernick isn't going to get signed. So, yeah, that's, that's not a reality that I want to... Uh, to deal with for the Seahawks. Whatever happened to Jimmy Graham? Uh, he used to be one of the great <laughs> X factors in, in the NFL. And is, is he not the same physically? Did the Seahawks not know how to use him, Or is it a combination of the bo- of both? We, we were hoping you would have the answer for that because we're trying <laughs> to figure it out ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's in all of the above. I mean, I was looking at some of the Football Outsiders numbers. And as of last week, he was second to last in the league in uh, D D Y A R uh, amongst tight ends, second to last amongst all tight ends. It's like, this is Jimmy Graham. And part of it is that we're asking him to get a little out of his comfort zone in terms of blocking and really making contested catches rather than just running seam routes and getting open with his combination of speed and physicality. And some of it is that he managed to not miss a lot of time given how, how bad his knee injury was. He didn't do an ACL. He did a patella tendon. And so he is diminished a little bit and, and it's, and it's gotta be in his head a little bit too, because he's now he's dropping it. And so I don't, I don't know what the drops are, but I know that we're not using him to his best effect. And he had a pretty bad knee injury and, and he still is somehow about to become the best Seahawk tight end in history by both yards and catches. Uh, but that more speaks to our franchise's inability to find a decent tight end uh, than it does to what Jimmy Graham has done since coming over from the Saints, which is be both pretty good for the most part, but still a pretty big disappointment compared to what he was with Drew Brees. I said this on our show, but I'll say it for you guys. Jimmy Graham, if if he wasn't what he was in New Orleans and we drafted him and he was a Seahawk for his whole career, I think we'd be more than pleased with his numbers given the tight ends that we had. We we fielded yeah. Zach Miller out there for a few years, and as good as he was at blocking, you know there was a, a ball that he caught with nobody within 35 yards of him, and he got you know, tackled at the 10 yard line. So that speaks to his, you know, receiving and running skills. But if if Jimmy Graham wasn't, you know, Jimmy Graham on the Saints, and he was a homegrown Seahawk, we'd be more than pleased with his numbers, and we'd be happy to pay him the money that we were paying him right now. But you know, he hasn't been what we we traded for but he's been pretty good but not the dominant player uh, what do you think about the situation last week with uh you know tom cable and doug baldwin getting into it you know he shoves him on the sideline is this something that you guys are used to or did it surprise <laughs> you or is this more because if i saw the texas do this i would have you know not had a coronary but i just would have dropped my jaw that something like that would have happened on the sideline with a coach so what are your guys take on that I mean, we're pretty anti-Tom Cable on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'm glad pro- to hear that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pro we're pro Doug Baldwin, anti-Tom Cable for football reasons and for non-football reasons. Yeah, um, and I'll just say like we always have these sideline blow-ups. Yeah, and it's pretty. It's pre- it's par for the course. And Pete's Pete's really good at like getting it back under control somehow. And, like, they'd already apologized to each other, and Doug Baldwin had scored a touchdown by the time, like, the the hot takes were hitting Twitter. So, like, it somehow is fine. And if I weren't used to it at this point, uh, I would be like you. I'd be freaking out, like, oh, my God, our best offensive weapon just pushed our offensive line coach. But I'm like, well, it's Doug Baldwin and Tom Cable, and it'll be fine. And it totally seems to be fine. Yeah, so. it, Pete Carroll's so good at, like, reeling in those situations. He even said, like, oh, that, that, that's my fault. Like, that's the environment I create. Like, you know, everybody's cool now. Uh, it just happened. And Pete, he just has that longevity. He, 
I mean, I, he's probably like in his mid sixties, probably almost seventy, and he looks probably like twenty years younger. I don't know how he does it and how he is able to keep command of of a football team. I mean, he commands a lot of the players' respect, and um, he's he's a coach I respect uh, to a T. Uh, but you know, do you think that Pete Carroll was one of the best things that happened to the Seahawks when he he came in to coach the team, or the Matt Hasselbeck maybe? A hundred percent. No, I. Pete Carroll is the best thing to happen to the Seahawks. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I And I don't think it's close because when you look at what he's done, just in terms of transforming this defense and transforming the identity of the defense, you know, we, we, we brought in Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman. If they go somewhere else, they aren't those guys. And he turned those guys into... Two, we Grant and I argue about this all the time. I think they're two Hall of Famers. Grant thinks they're three Hall of Famers. Doesn't matter. They are impact all pro players. And that is just the surface of what Pete's doing. Pete has that going on. And then he has an organizational philosophy around that, that has transformed a team that was, you know, frankly, pretty good under Mike Holmgren. Like we had good years, but it didn't have that identity. It didn't have that sense and like aura around it and it's just been like thrilling like i i i can't feel any more lucky to have had seven years or eight years so far of pete carroll running my football team and when we signed him i did not think that would be the case you know i i watched i watch a lot of pac-12 and at the time pac-10 football and i still was like i don't know if this i don't know if his shtick is gonna work with pros and then we get Earl Thomas and then Richard Sherman stands out as one of the best corners in the league. And then everything starts to click together. What's not to mm-hmm. like. Yeah. It's he, it was just a complete transformation uh, transformation. And there was so much turnover from year one to year two that, you know, he had a plan and whether it panned out, it was, it was so, it was so huge because it was a completely different roster and you had guys uh, in 2011 you had the Richard Sherman, the Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and and Brandon Browner at the time, and you had the defense kind of already in place. It just needed a couple pieces, and then you go into 2012 where you go from Tavares Jackson at quarterback to Russell Wilson. Well, I mean the stepping stone of Matt Flynn to Russell Wilson, and you add a Bobby Wagner, and you add um, well Jeremy Lane. I mean he's probably going to get traded by the deadline, but he's been a big part of our team. You have the Byron Maxwells and you have these guys that step up and play these roles and buy into the culture. And it speaks to the kind of locker room guys that, that Pete puts in there. I mean, he has these guys fired up and like the outbursts on the sidelines sometimes, but you see even after the win in New York, how crazy that locker room is and they're feeding off of each other and they're just, you know, I mean, for lack of better terms, they're living their best life. They're having fun. They're, they're playing the game they love. And he's created a winning culture, and and that's what's expected in, in Seattle nowadays. And like Spike, I wasn't really sure how it was going to pan out bringing Pete to the NFL again because he wasn't successful in, in the 90s before, and you saw the success at USC, and it was kind of a wait-and-see kind of thing. Like, again, is this shtick going to work with you know grown men, NFL guys? And luckily it did, and we're, we are where we are today because of Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the roster that they've put together and the culture that they've created in Seattle. And I'll throw it back to you guys. Bill O'Brien, coming into this year, I was a little sour on him just because he had that quarterback guru reputation and he hadn't really done it for y'all. But now he's maybe has. Like, where are you guys on O'Brien as your coach? I fully endorse him. Um you know, I, I have my faults about him. I mean, he could manage the clock better, you know, in critical moments, you know, especially against that game against the uh, the Patriots. I mean, we, we, we could have, you know, actually won the game had the clock been managed a bit better. But all in all, with him taking over the offense, it seems to run a lot better. I mean, our offensive coordinator, um, you know, George Godsey, I mean, it, it just seems that what he was trying to run wasn't necessarily suited to the guys we had on the field. And I think Bill O'Brien has a good feel uh, for our guys and he knows, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and he tailors the game plan to that. And Rob touched on a great point earlier that he's learning from Deshaun Watson. You know, Deshaun Watson would have a suggestion and say, hey, maybe we should do it this way. Maybe we should run this. And 
he's listening. So it's like a give and take. And, and that's what you have to have, especially with a quarterback with this talent. He's hard to like just with his gruffle personality and his Belichickian yeah. kind of way. But the thing about what he's done with the defense, you can't fault it. But we kind of put that one on Romeo Cornell for a long time. And then you had, you know, you obviously had guys like J.J. Watt. Then Clowney comes in. Uh, so you had you had that sort of stuff. Offensively, he didn't look like the guru, but he put a guy in George Godsey and, and charged the last couple of years that was terrible. And then finally, he decided to get rid of him. And once he did that, all of a sudden, you add that, you add Deshaun Watson, and the offense looks like a totally and complete makeover from what it's been. And it's just a lot more creative, a lot more uh, – just it looks smarter out there for the most part. I mean, yeah, he Andy reads it up with his – with some of his uh, clock management, stuff like that. But, you know, I think Bill O'Brien is fine. And, and the, the thing about the NFL is, you know, if, if you think that your guy's pretty good, you don't run out and get another guy unless you think he's just going to be one of the best ever. I mean, he's, people get really impatient with coaches these days. And a lot of times it's like, well, do you got a quarterback? Do you have some talent on defense? You know, where, where, where are you on the rest of the roster? And, and I also kind of find it, uh, ironic that uh, in Coffee City that, uh, you know, that Pete Carroll just seems like that big shot of it, espresso that they've been waiting for all those years. <laughs> I, so, I just wanted, so I, true. I wanted to, to sidebar for a second. I love how like mismanaging timeouts has become a verb in Andy reading it. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's awesome to see a coach of Bill O'Brien's stature, you know, not let his ego really, really take like present itself at the forefront and and talk to Deshaun Watson and learn from him. I think that's a great you know quality in a coach, and I think that you know be, to be able to still learn things at his age and to I mean in the position that he's gotten himself to that that only speaks to him being a good coach. And like like you said, every coach has his faults. I mean Pete Carroll, as much as I love him, I, I do not like his challenges. I think that it's definitely an area of improvement. Yeah, and until I mean, we're taking it out of the end zone on every kickoff right now, and getting and having Tyler Lockett come back from a leg injury, getting hit on the fifteen, and I mean, Pete Carroll's wasted timeouts like the best of them. I don't, but I still love him, and I think I think that the most important thing is being able to work with your best players, and if O'Brien's doing it with Watson, that's great. Pete does it with Earl and Richard and Russell, and that's great. And so I'm really excited for this matchup. I'm really excited. What's going to happen? It's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be high scoring. I'm going to pick the Seahawks because we're at home, and I'm going to pick it at a 30 to 23. Where are you at, Grant? I will go closer. I think that will go up 30 to 24. <laughs> I won't help you. I, I'll, I'll price is right myself. Oh, I'll give you the God. under. And uh, I think that the Texans will get the ball back with a chance to score, and the defense will come up at the last second. Maybe there'll be a penalty or a non-call that benefits the Seahawks because that that just happens sometimes. And I, I'll go with 30 to 24. 31 to 24. I'll say 31 to 24. So you double wound up me. What do you guys got for it? Oh, that's about where I have it because, you know, we've been we've been scoring 30 points a game, and I, I just honestly think that we're going to still be able to do it against you guys. Uh, but if, if it does go down a bit, I, I, I say we at least put up, you know, maybe 20, 21 points on the board. Whether I see us winning that game, we have a chance. I just don't know with the guys we have out there if we can go and and beat you. It It really just depends on who's going to be stepping up for that game. Um, I, I have a set of narrow loss. Um, you know, you're, you're looking like maybe like a 21 to, I would even put us more closer to maybe about a 27, 21, just in case. Uh, but Kiami Fairbairn may be pretty busy you know, because we may be able to get enough within field goal range, but we're, you know, get stalled and we have to go in and kick the field goal. But I really, really hope that we can go deep on you guys, but I just don't know if, 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 depending on what Richard Sherman's doing. All right, I'm going to go against the grain from all you guys. Deshaun Watson, I don't feel like he gets intimidated in any environment. I think Alex 
what Alex Smith did against the Texans defense and getting outside of the pocket, which caused a lot of problems. And when they couldn't put a pass rush on to let him get outside of the pocket was a big issue. And Alex Smith, I think is a, is a better, just pure passer. So maybe keeping him in the pocket, they, they still would have had problems. I think the, the, the idea that I think that Vrabel is going to come up with is just keep Russell Wilson, you know, do everything you, that you can to ca- kind of contain him and make him try to throw the ball and I think, I think this offense can outscore Seattle's offense, and I think that's what the Texans are planning to do the rest of the season. They're going to try to outscore you. I mean, they're, they were, I think, going into this, this weekend, they were number two in the league in, in offense as far as points go. And I, I think the offense can only get better when you, you throw Dwayne Brown into the mix, uh, two weeks for Deshaun Watson to prepare, uh, so, some, maybe some more stuff that uh, they'll throw in there that, they, that they've been working on in the last two weeks that you haven't seen, but... Uh, I, I'm going to give them credit. and I feel like maybe this might be one of their biggest road wins that we've seen in Texans history. It would be. And, and I think you guys could do it. And if, and when I look at our schedule in terms of the home games, we have left, this one's not in prime time where, which is where we get the Eagles. You guys are good. You guys are good. You got a good offense. And I'm, I'm, I, I feel like happy for you. You guys have, you guys deserve to have a quarterback this exciting and I'm happy for you. I still think we're going to win but I'm happy for you. And I want you to know that going into this. One. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Brian, will take that one, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Cause I'm Mr. Optimism here. You never know, you, never know, you know, what, what you have until you play, you got to play the games. That's, that's the main thing. It's yeah. fun to have a real quarterback for sure. That's yes. without question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, bouncing from for so long. Bouncing from Charlie Whitehurst to Tavares Jackson to Matt Flynn to Russell Wilson, we we only tasted it for a little while, but uh, we definitely know what you guys are going, th- what we're going through before Watson, and uh, we're we, like Spike said, we're happy for you. I think Deshaun's one of the most exciting players on on offense, and if he can if he can be Russell Wilson, then you guys will be very very happy with him. I've been watching Houston football for 40 years and he's the the most exciting quarterback and that includes Warren Moon in that mix and you know Warren Moon wow. couldn't do some of these things that that Deshaun does with his legs and, I, and that that's what makes him you know extremely exciting to watch and you feel like when you get one of these guys all of a sudden you look at it and you go hey we if we get hot in the playoffs we're we're as close as anybody else to win a Super Bowl and and that's the difference and Having a quarterback and not having a quarterback, it's kind of as simple as that in the NFL these days. Yeah, I think I think this this matchup preseason is a totally different matchup. But now it's, you know, I, I was worried before for different reasons for J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless and, and kind of the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I wasn't looking towards Tom Savage and be like, oh, like this is going to be a tough game for that reason. But now it's completely flipped. Like you guys' offense is a juggernaut. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough game on our defense. It has a very, and I mean, I don't, I don't want you guys to take this as a slight given how they're doing this year, but it has a very Arizona Cardinals come to Seattle kind of feeling where they've like, they've played us well and they've beaten us a couple times in the past few years. I mean, given how uh, versatile their running back was in the passing game and, and the receivers, like they had Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer. He wasn't as mobile as Deshaun Watson, but they they put together a game plan. They beat us through the air. They they had these late game winning touchdowns, and so that it has that kind of feel for me. I still think that we'll win, but it'll be a very exciting game. I think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's the matchup of the week, I think. In the I mean, when you got Deshaun Watson versus Russell Wilson in Seattle, which I think is probably with the Arrowhead the best environment in the NFL. I mean, that's it's it, it should be must watch i mean I, there people might argue the the cowboys redskins but i you know i'd rather watch this game no i think i think it's like the caliber of the game that is deshaun watson versus russell wilson i think it should be sunday night football but you know preseason or i mean well in the off season when they made the schedule obviously uh, they weren't planning for that but i think it's a sunday night football caliber game and i wish it was sunday night because we played better on sunday night in the c-link <laughs> Well, this was a lot of fun, guys, and, you know, I, I go back a ways, so, I mean, I remember the Steve Largent days, and I was a huge fan of him as a kid, as a as a slow, as a slow short, white guy. He was one of my heroes, <laughs> and uh, always, loved this, always loved the Seahawks. It, it, it's always a, a great environment, no matter what up there. The stadium now, I think, is absolutely the most beautiful stadium in the league, and it's, you know, it's, it, it, I was real happy for them when they, they won the Super Bowl 
uh, just just hoping that the fans wouldn't get a little bit. I, I felt there was a little bit. It got a little bit out of hand with the fans getting a little bit too high on themselves after the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I was happy for the franchise. And, and don't and what worry, we got we got knocked out right quick. We we <laughs> we we stuck our heads up and got knocked right back down. So don't worry about us anymore. <laughs> Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're going to finish it off. Just congratulate, uh, ourselves, the network, because, uh, we are now with an affiliation with FanRag sports. And this is the first time me and Brian, at least on our show, have had a chance to say this. So we will be going through FanRag as part of the entire lockdown network. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool news for all of us. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Uh, visit both of our sites, uh, for us locked on Seahawks, you'll be able to access all of our podcasts and, and get to see all the fancy pictures and and uh, words that I write. So that's fun. You should read that. And obviously, you go the flip side, Locked On Texans, you study the enemy a little bit. You get to know their side of, of the ball. You get to read and listen about Deshaun Watson. That's always fun. At Spike Friedman, at Grant Goldberg, at House of Houston for, for Brian as well, and at Locked On Texans, of course. Hey, thanks, thanks a bunch, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for having us. And we are back. It's just Grant and Spike now. We we finished our talk with Locked On Texans. I had a great time chatting it up with those guys. I still yeah. think it's going to be a tough game facing that Houston offense and Deshaun Watson. But given that Dwight Freeney is going to have those two sacks, I think we'll we'll come out and we'll get the win. I think it's going to be an Arizona Cardinals-type game, though. It's going to be a nail-biter. I agree. And we've already dropped our Twitter handles and plugged fan rags. So let's just say... There's PFF Edge memberships. Leave a review for us. Like, hold on. While you f- do your sign-off, I'm going to look up and see if anyone's left a review for us. Yeah. Do do what you got to do to help us out. We are trying to climb the ranks like the Seahawks running game and the Seahawks oh, offense. Boy. And we need your reviews. We've had a couple five-star reviews. We've had one one-star, which I don't like to talk about. We're not going to talk about it We're anymore. not going to talk about that. And That's the past. Not mad online I am about that. Ooh, 17. Someone review. Oh, boy. Let's see. Let's see what we got. All right. So we got Ooh. another review. I think the podcast as a whole is up to 17. Obviously. Dapper Hammond coming through. Loves the podcast. Dropped his Twitter handle. All Boom. Right. Great job, Dapper Hammond. There Love you. You know, you, you put I'm, in the work, and, and people appreciate it. So what we're doing, we're trying to give back. And you you show why you listen to our podcast, and you leave it in the review. You leave five stars with it, and you're entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership. How great is that, Spike? It's really great, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's really <laughs> right. good. I feel, I feel like I'm coming with the energy right now, and we're about to sign off, and I feel like I'm leaving the listeners with something to be desired. So... I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, we'll come back with it on Thursday's show, and hopefully you guys will tune in then and, and get more energy from me. Sounds good. All right, and for Locked on Seahawks, I'm Grant Goldberg. And I'm Spike Friedman, signing off.